What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the True Christian Podcast. It's the Monday night episode. And we are missing JD right now, but as many of you know, He's waking up at 4 a.m. over there in South Africa, and he also has not been on the show for a little bit. So uh, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt, give him a moment when he pops in, he pops in. But I didn't want to leave you guys waiting. I saw a bunch of you in the chat hanging out um, and, and and really just, you know, fellowshipping. I love seeing everybody in the chat window uh, conversating before the show starts. It just shows me that a little community is growing here of a lot of people getting used to seeing each other and, and caring about each other. I love that, guys. I really do, especially in the Discord. Um, while we're waiting on JD, let me just go ahead and give a shout out to everybody that has really helped this ministry grow. Uh, we got a bunch of you guys that have committed time and energy to this ministry. Excuse me, uh, in the in the Discord server, um, loving each other, praying for each other, um, uplifting each other, and just doing everything you can to make sure that people feel welcome and feel like they have a home. Uh, you know, I found out recently that there are some people that truly look at this as their fellowship. Now, as I keep telling everybody, I don't want this to be your only home for fellowship. I don't want you guys to be uh, settling for an online fellowship. I want you to always have your eyes open for a physical fellowship for a church. But if this is your place that you have right now because you don't have that, then I am so happy to know that we're able to provide that for you because the, the worst case situation is that you don't have either and, and no one wants you to be alone. I don't want you to be alone and a lot of us don't want you to be alone because being alone is a terrible thing. Um, and, and yes, you're never alone truly if you have God. I get that. We all get that. But let's move beyond the, cl the cliche statements that we understand is true and understand that as people, we need interactions with other people. We need that. I mean, if you look at the garden, before sin ever entered the garden, before sin, right? So that means before evil entered, what was the one thing that God said was not good? Because if you look at the generation, I mean, the, the, the Genesis creation events, it's God creates, it is good. God creates, it is good. God creates, it is good. But then something comes up and he says, this is not good. And it's before the fall. And that was Adam being alone. He said, it is not good that man is alone. And therefore he gave man a helper. He gave man, he didn't, notice he didn't say he gave man a mate. It wasn't about sex. It wasn't like, well, this man needs a woman, you know, for this purpose. No, 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 no. The woman's purpose was to be the partner, to be by his side, to be his helper. And yes, through a man and a woman, we, we see, we see uh, reproduction. And that is how, you know, this planet became filled with people. But the number one purpose was Adam was not meant to be alone. So God gave him a helper. And we need to remember that we need fellowship. It's one of the most important things there is. So I love seeing it, guys. I love seeing all of you guys um, communicating with each other, having relationships with each other and just building each other up. Uh, so thank you, guys. As always, uh, make sure you guys are hitting that like button, hitting the share button, hitting the subscribe button. Uh, help us to grow this ministry, especially here on YouTube. We've got, you know, 80 people over on TikTok and they decide to, you know, be there and watch it. And that's fine. You guys are welcome to be there watching this. Uh, but it helps us a lot when you come over to YouTube because this is really where we want to grow this at because YouTube has a bigger level of growth uh, capability as far as being something larger, especially with how fickle TikTok is. At, at any moment, TikTok can ban me if I say the wrong word. And don't get me wrong. YouTube is 
uh, not like this great place for Christians or conservative people because we know who runs YouTube. But for some reason, you know, it's sad when you can say YouTube is the safer place for someone like us, right? It's it's sad when YouTube is the safer place, but YouTube does allow a little bit more uh, freedom of speech than TikTok does. TikTok has zero freedom of speech. I can't even talk about, you know, certain alphabet letters and, <laughs> and things like that. I have to be very, very cautious with the words that I use when TikTok is live. So if we can get people here, that allows us to grow a little bit better. Um, so tonight we want to discuss some things. And like I said, JD should be here any moment. At least I hope. Uh, you never know. Something could have came up and we pray that everything is okay for him. But we wanted to discuss forgiveness and faith. And those two go hand in hand because, man, you need to re forgiveness can test your faith. And lately I have spoken with a lot of people that struggle with forgiveness. They struggle with giving it. They struggle with dealing with it. They struggle with understanding if they're even forgiving people or if they're maybe just pushing things to the side and, and resentment is filling up. Um, and this isn't an episode that we are, you know, super prepared for because I just found out JD would be back. He, uh, reached out to me, um, two days ago. And so we kind of put this together last minute because originally I was planning on just reacting to another video or something like that. Um, in the meantime of waiting for him to return. So it's going to be more of a discussion. Um, so people in the comment section, we want you to be involved with this. We want you to definitely bring your questions, bring your concerns. Um, give me one second. Let me go ahead and just look over at discord and actually see if we got anything back from JD yet. Oh, look, my, my cross was tucked in. Let me pull it out uh, and, and put that there. <laughs> you know, it'd be getting people upset. All right, let's see. Did JD respond to anything online? Not yet. So maybe he uh, slept past that alarm. Hopefully he sees my message saying, come in as soon as you get it. Um, and again, guys, if he doesn't make it, no hard feelings against him. Uh, he, he wakes up at 4 a.m. And in the time that we've done this podcast together, I think he's only actually missed one episode, one episode where he was supposed to be there and something came up that he couldn't make it or uh, uh, or he was up late with his kids sick. So if he's not on here right now, then we fully understand that most likely he uh, had something already. Uh, I mean, he had something that came up or something caused him to not be able to be here. So let's talk about forgiveness. Now, some things that people don't understand is forgiveness does not mean uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Forgetting. Sorry. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. I hear all the time, Mike, I'm struggling with forgiving someone. I'm struggling to, you know, continue this relationship with someone. It's oftentimes with people that are close to them, their family members, uh, siblings. And we need to understand something. First of all, there's two types of forgiveness. There's the forgiveness that we give without someone asking for it. And then there's the forgiveness given when people ask for forgiveness. And the reason why it's important for us to understand this is because these two different types of forgiveness will lead to how things play out. If someone comes to you looking for forgiveness, well, clearly they want to change. You're giving them forgiveness and there's a there's a possibility to move forward. However, it doesn't always work out that way, especially especially with us as Christians, because we are called to forgive those even that don't ask for forgiveness. But you have to understand if you're giving forgiveness to someone not seeking it, it doesn't mean anything is going to change going forward. They might continue to be the same person that you are forgiving. They might continue to want to hurt you. They might continue to misuse you. And that's why it's important for people to understand forgiveness doesn't mean that you bend over and let them walk all over you. There's this weird idea that Christianity comes with this uh, uh, timid mindset where Christians can just be walked all over, you know, turn the other cheek. Your safety is important. 
your spiritual safety, your physical safety, your mental safety, all of that is very important. Uh, when it comes to people that you might not ever have a relationship with again, you can forgive and you can move on. So I want you guys to understand that. Now, what does forgiveness look for? Look, look like? Again, with two different types of forgiveness, it's going to look different. If someone comes to you saying, you know, I, I, I'm sorry for how things have been. I'm sorry that I treated you that way. Forgiving them, first and foremost, means that you forget the past. And, and, and I know I just said forgiveness is not forgetting. So, yes, let me use my words properly here. I'm not saying that you forget it in the sense that you don't be wary of how they might, do, might treat you again in the future. But what I mean is we don't hold grudges. That's the, probably the better terminology to use. It means that you don't hold the past against them. And 1 Corinthians 13 tells us this. Love is what? Love condones no wrongdoing, but also what? Love is not, uh, well, depending on your translation, but um, uh, love does not hold grudges is, is how it is translated in some versions. You don't hold a grudge against this person. Why? Because God forgave you, even though you didn't deserve forgiveness. I meet people sometimes who say like, I just can't forgive someone who does X, Y, and Z. And I wonder if you ever think about it, about how much you did not deserve forgiveness, especially with some really heinous things. For example, abortion. I've met people that have said, I can't forgive someone that would just kill their baby. And I look at them and I say, well, should God forgive you for the things that you've done? And when people ask me, how is it? How do we forgive? I always tell people to think about forgiving yourself. Do you deserve forgiveness? No, you didn't deserve forgiveness. But yet God gave it freely. We see the scripture say, uh, you know, if you if you don't forgive, he won't forgive you. Right. You, you see that in the scriptures. And what God is trying to paint for us is this understanding of you're not better than him. So if God is willing to forgive, who are you to hold a grudge? We also see this in the parable. Uh, I don't have the parable in front of me, um, but if one of my Bible experts in the, in the chat can can throw it out there, I'll, I'll read it. Where, where we see the parable where we see the king forgives the debts of the man. And then the man goes out and then he holds those his debts, someone else's debts over their head. And then he returns to the king. And the king says, I showed mercy to you. And then you didn't go and show mercy to anyone else. And it's the exact same thing when it comes to us. We're so quick to be like, nah, that person doesn't deserve it. That person doesn't deserve it. And we forget how guilty we stand before God. We forget what wrongs we've done to God. And this is important in all aspects of life. Also in our marriage, sometimes we think about forgiveness on a grand scheme. We think about forgiveness like someone who did me extremely wrong, that person that abused me, that person that, you know, maybe grape or murder or like these extreme levels of forgiveness. What about the smaller levels of forgiveness? What about just forgiving your spouse, forgiving your children? Because the thing that's crazy is we have no problem sometimes with the hard forgiveness. Some people are good with those ones. Why? Because you may never see them again. Like, you yeah, know, I forgave them. It's over, you know, whatever. And honestly, I think those are the easier forgive. People say, Mike, I can't believe you forgave the guy that murdered your brother. That, that's easy. Once I get over the fact that, that I deserve forgiveness, I'll never see that man again. I don't have to see him. Now, granted, it is hard in, this, in, this, in the grand scheme of things when you really think about letting go of the fact that he caused such harm. But seeing someone every day, that forgiveness in your home with your children. Sometimes as parents, we don't show forgiveness to our children. We get angry at our children. We hold things against them. In parenting, we have to show grace to our children. Our children are little sinners. I don't know if you know this, little uh, uh, FYI here. If you have kids, they're little sinners. 
Those little guys, they're the little wicked sinners. And matter of fact, whenever whenever people talk about uh, you know, our sin nature, I'm like, man, if you're a parent, you understand fully that a human being does not need to be taught to sin. You don't need to be taught to be greedy. You don't need to be taught to be selfish. Children just come out that way. I don't care what people always try and point at children because like they are willing to look beyond certain things. So their love is unmatched. You know, like they don't they don't have racist tendencies, for example. Right. A child will be kind to another child regardless of color. Sure. But let's not act like children are this perfect example of moral uh, morality. If a child wants something, they'll snatch it out of another child's hands. They'll say mine. If they want food, they'll say I want food. Like they get they get upset, they get angry, they get selfish, and that's in our nature. And and sometimes adults just grow into that. <laughs> nowadays, nowadays with the way we see these parents, uh, man, I, I feel sorry for my uh, my children's peers. Uh, in their generation that they're going to grow up in, because even in my generation, a lot of people are really spoiled and 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 their parents didn't enforce any type of ethics in them or values in them. Their generation, man, but I digress. That's neither here nor there. We're going to talk about forgiveness tonight. Forgiveness is important for yourself and for others. Now, let me explain why I believe that, you know, what I really believe about forgiveness. I believe forgiveness is one of the most godly things we can do. What I mean by godly, right? There are certain actions that we can do that really, um, really mirror what our heavenly father is, right? We love people with a certain level of love. What is that? Agape love, right? Selfless love. When you selflessly love someone, that is godly love. And not only is it going to work just amazingly in your life, but it also helps point people towards God because they're not used to that type of love. The kind of love that this world has is a false and vain love. Everybody does whatever they want to do for themselves. Most people in the world, the things they're doing, it's because they want something in return. Yeah, they might do all these things that seem selfless, but they're really banking for their own future, for what's going to come back as an investment and a return. Like, yeah, you know, I, I did this for you. I did this for you. And I'm going to need you one day. Selfless love is that action of, I want nothing back from you. Another thing that's godly is forgiving. And I believe forgiveness is the most godly thing you can do. Because like I said, it's it's looking beyond everything and saying, I forgive you. You get nothing out of this. It's purely selfless. It requires love. It requires patience. It requires peace. It requires so much that only the fruit of the spirit can give you. So why is it all beneficial as far as others? Because it points people towards Christ. Can you imagine if you were someone that's abusive, you're, you have this anger in your heart, this darkness in your heart, and no matter what, this person keeps forgiving you. And granted, to the outside world, they're going to be like, wow, this person's so weak. They let this person walk over them. You have no idea how that plants a seed in their life, how they can't help but under, like want to understand why is it that this person's so forgiving. Forgiveness leads people to God. Forgiveness shines a light so bright. It is the light of Jesus shining out of people. Forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness is strong. Not only is it beneficial to the people you forgive, but it's also beneficial to you because there are people um, I've been in programs, Christian programs where, you know, you go together and you and you it's called um, oh man, regeneration. It's like an AA for Christian sin. 
right? It's like AA for sin. Um, and I believe every church should have a regen program. It's an amazing program where you go through and you do, uh, you know, you dive into your sins of your life. You dive into the resentments of your life. You go to the past, you forgive people. You, you, you really dig into the deepness of your pain and find out where is this pain coming from and how do I get past it? And most of the things that people deal with from their past are based on resentment. And how do we have resentment? We have resentment because we refuse to forgive. That's really where resentment comes from. If you really look at most people's resentment, they have resentment with their parents, with how their parents treated them, or maybe the lack thereof. Maybe someone's parents were not present and not uh, good parents because they just let them do whatever. They let them have any life they want. And sorry, I try and read the comments sometimes and it completely distracts me. Yes, I've thought about doing Rumble just too many things at once. And and honestly, it'd probably be easier when I have people that'll help me um, when it comes to that. I'm not a big computer guy. I mean, I know how to use computers because of my generation, but technology wise and all the platforms and doing all that stuff, I'm just not as good at it. My content's on there, though. Um, it's linked to my YouTube as well. So anything I do on YouTube should be popping up on Rumble. Um but yeah, we, we deal with resentment. And, and I know every single one of you, every single one of you, I guarantee you, has some type of resentment that you deal with. That person that mistreated you, that person that you hurt, that you hurt, maybe you hurt them. And you've yet to go ask for forgiveness and it still haunts you. That's another thing. Have you went to go ask for forgiveness? Are you still carrying this burden of feeling guilty because of the pain you caused in someone else's life? That person you cheated on, that person you hurt, that person you stole from, that person you used. Yeah, I'm born again in Christ and no more condemnation from our father in heaven. But does that person still have anger towards you that you haven't went and handled, that you haven't went to and asked for forgiveness? Or maybe, oh, maybe there's something that they don't even know that they owe you, that, that, that you need forgiveness for, things that you have not confessed yet. Look, I'm not telling you you got to do this today or tomorrow because it might not be that simple. But have you confessed your sins to people that you've done things to that maybe don't even know about it? That person you cheated on, that person you stole from, that person you used, have you went to them and confessed like, you know what? I just want to let you know that I, I, I did you wrong in the past. I used you in the past. And I just want to let you know that I, I, I truly am sorry about that. In fact, it hurts me to this day that I did those things to you. And I don't expect you to forgive me. You don't have to forgive me, but I hope that one day you do forgive me. There's things, and this kind of goes hand in hand with the question I get all the time about anxiety and depression. We don't realize this, or drinking. A lot of our problems are so much deeper than you could ever imagine. Uh, we think that anxiety is this little this little uh, shallow wound, this flesh wound that you could put a Band-Aid on, this depression, the pain that we get, uh, uh, the, the reason why we need to, why we're drinking if you have a drinking problem. If you dig deep in that wound, if you take the Band-Aid off and dig in that wound, you'll find out where the infection is coming from. There's something deep in there. And self-reflection is the best way to do, is the best way to go about it. My advice for you is do, is do this. If you really are battling with some of this. Sit down and write down all the people that you've hurt. This could be a private journal. No one will ever see it. It's not for anybody. It's for you. Write down everyone that you've ever hurt and then write down everyone who's hurt you and then go through it and ask yourself, have I made amends in these situations? Have I seeked forgiveness in these? Have I forgiven in these? Because your problems that you're dealing with could stem from one of these and you don't even know it. 
You have no idea because you've buried it so deep. You, we bury things as as Christians, especially. We're so good at bottling things up. It's we're we're so good at bottling things up. We're so good at burying things because we think, you know, I just got to be a Christian. I just got to be loving, and it's not about me. So we bury and we bury, but we don't realize that what we're burying can affect who we are and affect how we love others. So it can affect our walk with Christ. Therefore, there is no condemnation, but yet we're condemning ourselves. In fact, sometimes we won't even forgive ourselves. How many people here right now, and this is rhetorical, you don't got to answer this. How many people listening to this right now, you still have some things in you you're not willing to forgive. Maybe you're a man that has had some homosexual uh, desires in 20 years ago, or maybe you did something, most embarrassing thing in the world that you're scared to tell anybody about, and you hate yourself for it. Maybe there's an abortion you never told anybody about. Maybe there's something really bad that you've never told anybody about. And you and you're mad at yourself. You look you look at yourself like you don't deserve forgiveness. You bring it up against yourself in those moments of weakness, in those bad moments of your where your faith is really struggling. Those are the things that come into your mind. And you start wondering if you even deserve to be saved, if you are saved. It's crazy because our Lord said, I will cast your sins as far west, as far east, and I will remember them no more. But you don't seem to forget them. When you come to him about him saying, Lord, man, I know that I don't deserve your love. That thing I did eight years ago, he's looking at you like, what are you talking about? I, I don't remember. I told you I will not remember. I told you I will not remember. The most important thing you have to really do is forgive yourself. You have to forgive yourself. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people do not. In fact, a lot of Christians are walking around right now. Yes, you're covered in the blood of Christ and there's no more condemnation with your heavenly father, but you are heavily condemning yourself. And this is where we get the people that turn into a workspace gospel. You know why? Because they feel guilty for what they've done and feel like they have to do a little extra to earn God's love. And you don't even realize you're doing it because it's all subconsciously happening. This is really where a lot of work-based kind of ideas come from. This idea, I have to do more. I don't deserve forgiveness. I have to do more. I have to get right. I see people that do this when it comes to just working around in the church. There are people that will give as much as they can to the church, not because they want to give to the church, but because they feel guilty for their past that they got to work it off. And then they burn themselves out. They burn themselves out because of it. You are forgiven. And if he's the one that forgives, who are you to not forgive yourself? Are you better than God? That's what you're saying. Look, I, I hate to tell you this, but that's what you're saying when you refuse to for forgive yourself, that you know better than God, that you're better than God. Like, yeah, I know he forgives me, but I, I just can't. It's my fault that that happened. It's my fault that he died. It's my fault that she left. It's my fault that we lost that. But yet our Heavenly Father says, I will look beyond that. I will look beyond that and see you. But yet when we look in the mirror, we still see that sin. We still see that person. Because the face we see in the mirror is the face of that old man, the face of that sinner, the face of that broken person. We need to really focus on ourselves. And sometimes, again, the problem is a lot of people don't get discipled. 
a lot of people come to the Lord and they and, and and they just they get so overwhelmed with wanting to to just be stronger in their faith and they kind of don't look upon themselves. But think about it this way: when you join the military, what do you do before you ever ship off? You have medical exams, physicals. You make sure that you're ready for the battles you're about to head into. Guys, before you can put on that spiritual armor, ask yourself, am I ready? Do I need to reflect on my own health, my spiritual health, my mental health, my physical health? We are a temple, a temple of the Holy Spirit, a temple of God. And there's cracks in the wall. The foundation is strong. Why? Because the foundation is Christ Jesus and no one can remove that foundation. But those cracks in the wall are from your past that you you refuse to let go of, that you refuse to let the Lord fix. You know, our Lord's a carpenter. He came in there ready to fix. You were like, no, Lord, I deserve that crack on the wall. And yet he looks at you and says, no, you no, I tell you what you deserve. How often do we push away Jesus and think, I got to get myself out of these problems? No, Lord, I know you saved me, but now that my marriage is struggling, I got to fix this. I got to fix this problem because it's my fault. Even after you come to Jesus, we come to Christ, we get born again, a new creation. And then we, we make our mistakes. We sin because we're still sinners. And then when we fall into these places that we cause, we think, even though I already came to Christ and I'm saved, I put myself in this position. I need to get myself out of it. You can't fix your own marriage. You can't fix your relationship with your kids, not on your own. Just like you couldn't do anything before you came to Christ, now that you're in Christ, why would you try to do anything on your own ever again? Why would you ever try to do anything alone ever again? But yet that's what we'll do. We've all been there. I'm not talking down on anybody here. You screw up in your marriage and you do and you know that you were wrong in your sins. And since you were wrong in your sins, you think I got to solve this problem. I got to solve it. I lied. I lied. Why would I go to God about this? I deserve this. I'm an idiot. Why did I lie? Why did I cheat? Why was I drinking? I got to fix this. I got to solve this. And guess what happens when we try and fix it ourselves? We just dig a hole, don't we? Don't we just dig holes really well? That's what Christians are good at doing, digging our own holes. We just be digging and digging and digging and digging. That's what we do. We try to fix it ourselves. And before you know it, we finally come to the Lord on our hands and knees and, and, and we're broken again. And he fixes us. But why not skip that part where we break ourselves more and come back to him right away? And this is why it's important to be walking with the Lord daily, guys. This is why it's so important daily. The word of God is your spiritual bread. And, and if you only ate once a week, once a month physically, you would be malnourished and you would probably die. But yet we feed ourselves spiritually so, so little. A lot of people only go to church once a week and that's it in this country. Read the Bible. What? Come on now. You know how many people's Bibles are covered in dust if they got them? Matter of fact, imagine this. Imagine 
You treated your Bible the way you do your cell phone. Imagine if every time you left your house, if you didn't have your Bible with you, you freaked out and panicked. What if when you woke up, the first thing you grabbed and checked was your Bible, just like you checked your phone? What if you checked whatever you were bored, you scrolled through your Bible rather than your phone? What if whenever you had a kill time, it was your Bible you went to? What if whenever you were looking for some type of inspiration, it was your Bible you went to? What if when you couldn't sleep, it was your Bible that you went to? Imagine Imagine if you treated your phone like your Bible. I'm sorry, treated your Bible like your phone. Imagine it. Because we, we, we turn to that phone. We turn to that phone, don't we? What? And that what we do? Imagine that we treated our Bible that way. And I know we have Bibles on our phones, but if the Bible's on your phone, it's real easy to swipe and end up somewhere else. Why don't we treat it, why don't we just hold that physical Bible? Guess what, your physical Bible don't lose service, the battery don't die, and you are gonna get some good messages and notifications on that. Get you a little small Bible and replace your phone sometimes with that. Let that be. Imagine though, if that's because guys, what would y'all, what do y'all do when y'all forget your phone somewhere? You freak out. Oh man, hold on. Hold on. You be patting the pockets, the pockets you didn't check 13 times. Now, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You start feeling everything. You ain't even got pockets on your shirt. Somehow you be checking your shirt though. You be like, where'd I put my phone? You freak out. What if we treated our Bible that way? We be like, wait, 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 brother. Shh, shh, be quiet, brother. Where my, where did I put my Bible at? Where did I put my Bible at? You know how much better your mental health would be if that's how you treated your Bible. You know how much better your spiritual health would be if that's how you treated your Bible. You wouldn't be dealing with as much of the of the struggles of condemnation, resentment, forgiveness. Because it would be constantly reminding you of these things. The word of God would constantly be reminding you of them. Looks like JD may not be joining us today. Um, because it, it's uh, we've been on 30 minutes and he's still not here. Let me go check over to Discord real quick. See if he's messaged me. He may have slept late. Last time he messaged me was uh, at 1.07 p.m., so just about eight hours ago before he most likely went to bed. So he most likely slept late. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything to worry about at this moment. So I trust that everything's probably fine. Everything's probably fine. So since he's not going to be joining us, this conversation might go a little bit shorter than normal unless you guys have topics you want to discuss. We can open up the floor and kind of uh, have a discussion about anything that you guys want to have a discussion about. We got 63 people in here. Um, so uh, usually I have him to bounce off of, which keeps the conversation flowing. So what would y'all like to talk about tonight? We could do a, a mailbag episode where we just talk about whatever y'all want to talk about. He sounded pretty tired earlier. Yeah, he might be. He might be. Does G JD have his own TikTok? Yes. Uh, I don't know how much he's using it right now, uh, but it's at Tombs Empty Bro. 
What do you think about speaking in tongues? Uh, so when it comes to speaking in tongues, I try to keep it pretty simple on this topic because some people overdo it and, and I'm tired of I'm I'm honestly tired of it, but um, not you guys asking me. I'm just tired of seeing it so much. So tongues in the Bible was nothing like what we see today. Um, there is one spot in scriptures that speaks of an unknown tongue, but the unknown tongue is supposedly a private language that is between God and man, and it edifies man only. So if someone does have this private prayer language that God speaks about um, in the scriptures, then it should be never it should never be something that you're seeing in public because it would be a private language. So my opinion is this. If I meet someone that says that they have a private prayer language, then I don't care because if they're lying, that's between them and God. If they're telling the truth, that's between them and God. Um, now, if I ever see someone trying to tell others you must uh, speak in tongues to be saved, I will rebuke them where they stand. If I walk into a church and everybody's speaking in this weird tongue, I will walk out of that church. Um, so in public, there should never be a tongue that no one can understand because that's not how tongues worked. Now, if you want to talk about the Pentecostal church and look into their history, um, it's always been shady um, as far as this tongues thing goes. For example, Originally, uh, they were doing the same thing they're doing now, but the, the leader was telling them they were all speaking in a Chinese language. Um, that ended up falling flat on their face because they ended up doing mission trips to China, and the people in China were like, nah, you, you're not speaking our language. So then it evolved to an angelic language because nobody can prove that wrong, right? You know, back before the internet and Google, you could lie and tell someone, yeah, you're speaking uh, Cantonese, right? Who's going to tell you you're wrong? You know, you don't have Google Translate on your phone. Um, but once, uh, you know, technology has evolved a little bit, well, now we got to step into another realm. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, what did Jesus say were going to be the two things at the end that the false people would have? He said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, I cast out demons in your name and prophesied in your name. Prophesied in your name. A lot of these people that say they're speaking in tongues say they're prophesying in tongues, right? Jesus told us that there would be many using these two things. And what is the easiest thing to fake? The easiest gift to fake would be tongues. Nobody can call you on it if it's an angelic language. You literally can just go, and then if anybody says you're wrong, I can just be like, well, you don't trust God. And then that's it. We're at that point. We're at a stalemate, right? Um, so I don't play that game. If people want to say that they're praying in tongues, hey, that's between you and God. Just don't lie to people. Don't come to anyone and say that they need to speak in tongues. Don't tell anybody that they have to do it. If they don't, they're not saved. They don't have the Holy Ghost. Keep that nonsense where you're at. Um, but again, it's not my job to step between someone and God because if they're saying they're praying in tongues, then that's between God and them, right? If they're lying directly to God, like, can you imagine that? That ain't got nothing to do with me. If someone is lying between them and God, that's between them and God, you know, I mean, what am I going to do about it? And if they're not lying, then I ain't got no role in that either. Right. So that's my um, opinion on it. And I will not move my, uh, I will not move the needle on that. I heard a beep from discord. Let me see if JD woke up and DM me. Nope. Thought I heard a beep. Got excited for a second. <clears throat> Joshua, your question reminds me of a response Jesus said about letting what the Caesar be Caesar's make me makes me think like let many let man's law do its thing. Christ's law is love and forgiveness. Amen. I don't know what that response is. I know women who spoke in tongues in church. That's been some of the most holy people I know. That's that I know Jesus, but they do not believe you have to be saved. I mean, listen, 
I, I'm going to be very honest with you on this one, Casey. Whenever someone tells me that they know someone who did something and they are this, this, and that, um, none of us know the heart of anyone. So we don't know who's truly saved and who truly is walking with Jesus, right? Like You guys don't know if I'm saved, right? You don't know my heart. Um, so I have to stick to what's biblical, no matter how how much involved in church someone is. And, and just going off of another person, tell me about this person. And nothing in the Bible would lead me to believe that anybody should be screaming out in church uh preaching in, in tongues that nobody understands. Again, that's between y'all though. I, that just, it would, I would never let it slide in my church if I had a church and I would never uh, go to that church that has uh, people doing that because it's, it's, are you a cessationist? No, I believe God moves. I believe God can give tongues to someone when necessary. This is another part. I am against this idea that man controls his gifts. The Bible has always made it clear that God gives those gifts when necessary, right? Like I would not doubt if I was in another country and I needed to speak another language, if God would just make me speak tongues. Why? Because that's how the Holy Spirit works. If the gospel needs to get somewhere, then the gospel needs to get somewhere. Same thing with healing someone. If, if someone needs to be healed and God wants them to be healed, it's going to happen. Um, I'm against people uh, abusing this idea and, and being out here doing these gifts in a false way. It's charlatans. It's it's modern day charlatans. Um, and and I, I don't have any time for it. It's confusing people. It's it's misleading people. And it's not focusing on the one true gospel. Most of the people, most of the churches that focus on these things, focus on them alone. And you barely hear the gospel preached. It's all about casting out demons, casting out demons, casting out demons. Okay, but what about Jesus's blood? What about salvation? What about the gospel? I'm tired of hearing people talking about casting out devils, but not the gospel. Everybody's casting out devils now nowadays. Then you get people like that Isaiah guy that say, if your church doesn't cast out devils, it's a lukewarm church. Okay, go in peace. We're about bringing the gospel to people. We're about saving souls. How about that? But again, you can't have this argument with people because if they believe that they're doing these things and they've been convinced of it, well, guess what? No one can stand against them because they're soldiers of the Holy Spirit, right? Even if they believe it with all their heart that they're actually speaking in tongues, they've convinced themselves that the Holy Spirit speaks directly through them. How could I ever talk to them? They don't want to hear from me. They, they know the Holy Spirit personally. And here's the sad thing. I know people that have become their own accountability. They're praying in tongues, then they're receiving in tongues, and they're deciphering what they're receiving. They're literally um, translating the, 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 the tongues that are coming in in their own prayer language, translating it themselves as well, and they're receiving messages from God. You see it with that dude Noah. Noah, whatever his name is on TikTok. That's so dangerous. Do you know how dangerous that is? That a person is speaking in tongues, so the Holy Spirit's speaking through them. Then they're translating their own tongues and telling you exactly what God has said to, the, to you. That means they became God. Don't question me either. Because what I said came from God directly. Don't question me. And if you dare question them by the word of God with scripture, as scripture tells us, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. They stand against you saying, no, 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 no. This is from God directly. You get people scared too. People get scared like, oh my gosh, that person cursed me. What do I do? So I just reject it. And, and I don't have time to argue with them because again, you're not going to convince anyone. Is it wrong to cut your hair and dye your hair? No, why? No. Yes, he thinks he's a prophet. He actually thinks he holds all the offices. He thinks he's a prophet, apostle, everything.
And this is what happens. People then become their own authority and nobody can stand to them. This is how you get David Koresh's. You end up with a cult. <laughs> you end up with a cult. So um, I'm thinking about, well, for since this episode, we still got an hour, 20 minutes left. We could do like a Q&A like we're doing right now. But y'all think I should open up TikTok and let them in once? You know, I never let them in any other time. But since we need to, you know, we're, we're, we're live now. We're going live. Um, y'all think I should open up TikTok and let them have some questions as well? I'm going to let my YouTube viewers be the deciding factor on that. Because you guys actually come over to YouTube. You guys want to know their answer? People on TikTok probably just sitting there waiting. I see their answers. Now, that means YouTube still gets the priority, but I'm going to go ahead and throw the comments on. They said, yes, we'll let you guys in it. So I'll glance over here. That means if you ask a question on TikTok and it gets buried, that's not, you know, oh, well, it happens. I'm not going to scroll back. So I'll come over here. So you might want to save questions until I'm actually looking at you. Um, but anybody, we'll go at YouTube first, though. So questions up, questions up. Um, open game right now. Any questions that you've been wanting to ask anybody about? Or maybe you just have questions about the ministry, whatever it is. If you're on here from TikTok, stay on here. No, no, no. Stay on here. Your questions. So there's a guarantee that I'll answer your question on YouTube, Billy. Uh, if you're on YouTube, your questions all get answered. People on TikTok, TikTok, they might get missed. Your last comment was the word sure. Is there one before that there, Casey? It's pretty far, I'm guessing. Um, I think you read that last part wrong. The church does not believe you have to have tongues to be saved. But I had another comment, a question. If you've seen it about women, uh, I got to keep going then. Do you believe it's okay for... For a woman to talk in church to teach Sunday school, I seen an evangelist preacher on TikTok that said that's not okay, not even for Sunday school teaching the kids. So first and foremost, we need to understand where does this idea come from in, in, in scripture that women are not supposed to speak in church. This is what Paul was speaking um, in the letter of the Corinthians. He also mentions it in the Timothy, in a letter of Timothy. Um, and we have to understand something. What did the church in those days Think, uh, look like what did those churches look like right before we discuss it what did those churches look like those churches did not look like the churches we have today back then not many people spoke in the church building right it was only the elders and the and the, and the main you know shepherd only they spoke nowadays we have lots of people that speak in a church because we have we we are in a, we are a much different modern church so if a woman speaks in church i have no problem with that women speak in my church that's not a problem with me um if it was the same as the old church, then of course there's different types of ways that that church was ran, but that's not how church is run anymore, right? Um, so that's that's where I would have to say that. Now, as far as women teaching, I have no problem with women teaching a Sunday school. That's not the same thing. So a woman cannot hold authority over a man, so you can't disciple me. A woman can't disciple me. That's not the same thing as a woman teaching Sunday school, right? Men get discipled by men. Women can be discipled by women. It's discipling. Right. So there's the difference. So a woman can't disciple men. I mean, that's that should be common sense. Right. A woman can't train a man to be a man of God. Right. 
Can we all understand that? Is there is there anybody that's going to be offended at me saying that that a woman can't just like I mean a mother needs a, a needs a father present because a a woman can't raise a man to be a man. Now, granted, does it happen? Yes, but any woman that has done that, most of them are willing to admit that they struggled because they don't have everything they need um, to really do that. Um, so I don't discuss eschatology on my live platform because it is a divisive topic and it's also not salvation related. So if you guys have eschatology questions, I tell you that we don't discuss that on the live platform because again, it is divisive and I try not to uh, have those divisive conversations if he's willing to travel around me. Yes, we actually have plans to do that, Hillary. We want to travel all around Texas. We also want to leave the state. So for you guys to understand, um, what we want to do, we want to travel around and teach people how to evangelize. False. We are equal in Christ, and Priscilla did teach the preachers in Acts. I'm blocking. Cool. If you want to block me without finding out the truth of that, Priscilla did not teach anybody by herself. Every time you see Priscilla teaching, she was with Achilla, her husband. And if Priscilla and Achilla are together, then, of course, the husband and the wife are teaching. See how that you just did that there, Miss Lady on TikTok, how you tried to add to the scriptures or take from the scriptures? When Apollos was taught, it was taught by Priscilla and Achilla. It was never by Priscilla alone. Priscilla was amazing in scriptures. I love Priscilla. I love her to death. I love all my sisters in Christ, but no woman can hold authority over a man in the church. That's just how that works. Authority is much different than teaching, um, also different than preaching. I never said a woman, I, maybe you came in late, but women can 100% teach. They can 100% preach, but a woman cannot disciple a man. Priscilla did not disciple a single man. Again, show me in scripture. The only person you could point to is when Achilla and Priscilla corrected Apollos, and it was Achilla and Priscilla. She was with her husband. Who's Ach Priscilla and Achilla? So Priscilla and Achilla are a married couple that were in Christ that did great things for the church. If it wasn't for Achilla and Priscilla, we wouldn't have the church today. It was their house that was used as the first church in Ephesus and in Corinth. It was the church that uh, the house church in multiple places, and Paul stayed with them. Paul was kept safe by them, and Paul was provided, uh, they provided a lot to Paul. They traveled with Paul. They delivered letters for Paul, but it was Priscilla and Achilla. Priscilla's never alone. So there's this weird thing. And she already blocked me probably the false. And this is the people on, they, they want to believe what they want to believe. And you can't look, here's some advice for the, my fellow Christians that want to be content creators. that want to go live. If you focus on one human being and get wrapped up on them, you'll go crazy. You'll go, Oh no, where'd she go? I have to correct her. Whatever. Go live your life. How you want to live your life. Um, um, it, it's wild. It's wild that, that someone can say something and then just dip out without having a chance for me to respond. So clearly you didn't want to learn, you know, everything and, and go ahead. If a woman uh, takes the position of a man in a church, have fun. I would never attend that church. And I know a lot of men of God that want it. And I know a lot of women of God that want it. So if you want to go ahead and break God's order and do things the way that God didn't command, then have fun with your own church that you've created. There's nothing wrong with being baptized by in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, being baptized in the name of Jesus or being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, either or does not matter. Don't let people make you believe that what the baptizer says affects your salvation. Your salvation is on your heart. The person that spoke... Um, can we take another vote regarding TikTok? Don't worry. I'm not going to let the trolls uh, focus. Uh, take my focus. Is it okay to celebrate birthdays as a Christian? I don't see any problem. 
I don't see any problem with celebrating birthdays as a Christian. Um, people saying that they it's idolizing yourself. Uh, it depends on how are you viewing it. Do people cons- do people create an idol out of their birthdays? Yeah, y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all see them people. They go get the special pictures taken. It's all about them. Like they go crazy over it. Uh, anything can become an idol though, whether it's, I mean, people, most people on Instagram, their Instagram has become an idol where they take a billion selfies and it's all about their face and, and the fitness people that just look at their bodies all the time. Um, is there anything wrong with people coming together and celebrating that you made it another year? I see nothing wrong with that. I'm in a DFW. Yes. JWs do any holiday, any, any birthday JWs definitely do not celebrate anything like that. Um, Christmas and Easter, it's about the heart condition. Again, what are you celebrating on Christmas? Are you celebrating the day that our Lord came into this world? Now, you might say, well, that's not the day he came. Okay, well, that's the day that people have chose to, to come together and celebrate it. Do you want to or do you not want to? I will not tell a person they have to or they can't. There's this weird group of people that believe that you have to do things the way I do things. If I want to celebrate my Lord's birth on a certain day, then then kick rocks if you have a problem with that. If you don't want to do that, then go in peace. Have fun. That's up to you on where you, what you want to do. Uh, same thing with Easter. I don't, I'm not condoning the bunny rabbit stuff, but Easter is what? Resurrection Sunday. That's the greatest holiday that there should be because it's the day that, and what does the word holiday come from? Holiday, holy day. A holiday is a holy day. There's nothing holier than Resurrection Sunday. Again, uh, is that the exact Sunday? Who knows, right? Uh, it should be because it's the Sunday after Passover. It's a lot more likely than than our guests on Christmas. But people like to take this idea like if you do this, then the world has locked you in and you are now uh, belonging to the pagans because you did something they do. Uh, people like that are legalistic. They're controlled by their flesh. Yeah. Don't, the, the, anybody that still thinks that the things you wear or the things you do are are what they're they're carnal people walking in the carnal mind thinking of the flesh that's what they're doing it's carnal minded all about the flesh 100% 100% and i don't have time for it i used to have time for it i used to get uh uh angry and i used to go back and forth with them but then i realized what am i doing because at the end of the day if they don't see it it's cuz they don't have the holy spirit or the holy spirit hasn't revealed it yet so all i can do is is preach the word of god I'm sorry, I meant to ask. You don't have to say sorry about anything, Billy. Guys, you don't have to say sorry. Um, are we commanded to be baptized? What do you mean by commanded? Do you mean are we required to be baptized to be saved? No, baptism doesn't save you, but Christians get baptized, right? So think about what I just said. I didn't say people get baptized to become Christians. I said Christians get baptized. Christians get baptized. Christians get baptized. I'll say it again. What does that mean? Yeah, we do that. I can't stand the people that 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 push away from baptism because they know that we're not, you know, it's not saving. Yes, we're saved by being our faith in Jesus and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But we still get baptized. We still do it. Anybody that speaks against it is crazy. What is the purpose of baptism? Well, first and foremost, it is uh, symbolic of our death and burial with Christ and resurrection with Christ. So we die with Christ, we rise with Christ. And that is what the symbol of water is. Though also it's a symbol of washing clean and, and becoming anew. Um, it's also on top of that, our public confession. Putting yourself on a platform to become holy, the irony. Well, I don't think I'm holy, uh, but the word holy just means set apart. 
uh, first and for- foremost. Uh, so I see that you came here to have fun. It's fun, though, because I can remove you. So if you want to be a troll, hey. <laughs> I don't know if you guys also know this. I don't play games with trolls. I, I could care less about the followers or, you know, having a lot of people. I get rid of people in a heartbeat. I'm here for edification for my brothers and sisters and fellowship. Uh, so I don't care. Okay. Thoughts on miracles from churches such as Eucharistic miracles. So here's what I always tell people when they ask me about miracles. If I told you that there was a miracle being performed by Muslims, would you have, would you be skeptic about it? Yes. Why? Because it's not your God. So you immediately be like, well, what do you mean? Sometimes I, I, it feels like some people are more willing to to accept a miracle without evidence because it's their own God. So they want it to be true. Treat the miracles done by a Christian church the same way you would if you heard Thor was appearing. Okay? That's my opinion. I don't care if someone says Jesus did it. I don't care. Unless I see it with my eyes or I know people. Know people. Then I can't just trust anyone. Anyway, Paul says even Satan appears as the angel of light. Hey, welcome, Amanda. I appreciate you joining in. Yeah, Deep Ellen was a great time. We we had so many people we touched. Um, We were able to pray for many people. Um, We got phone numbers from people that want to join us in the future. Um, So it was amazing. It was amazing. I stand on the word. Guys, just if you're new here, let me just make it clear. I stand on the word of God. I I don't care about feelings. I don't care about emotions. I get it. There's some people that desire things to be true. Um, What about this? What about this? Um, At the end of the day, I stand on the word of God. And if it doesn't match the word of God, I'm going to go and step off. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What did Ashley say? I've been watching the Heiser series. I saw Divine Council on scene. You having fun? Ashley, you having fun? You having fun? I bet. I bet. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. He's amazing, isn't it? Isn't it so sad that he passed away? Man, he has done up until the moment of his death, he did nothing but provide for the Christians with his knowledge and his and his love of the man. And even though he's monotoned, his knowledge is just amazing. Like he he doesn't need to have special speaking skills to suck you in. His knowledge is just captivating. Bible over feelings. Amen, Joshua. Amen, Joshua. Does God still punish people for their sins, even the ones he's forgiven? Hmm. It's an interesting question because of the wording. So if you mean, does God still punish people in a chastising, disciplining way? Yes. Hebrews chapter 13 says that God disciplines those he loves and chastises his children. Um, And that is how a father takes care of his children. As far as punishing us for our sins in the way that the Bible speaks of, no, we're forgiven. Right. So we're not we don't get punished for our sins. We get disciplined for being disobedient. Right. So there's a little difference when you become a child of God. He doesn't count sins against you anymore. That's what Romans four says. It what first John says it what Hebrews nine says it what Ephesians says. He doesn't count your sins against you. However, if you're disobedient, he will discipline you because you are his child. You are his son. Uh, I was talking about Dr. Michael Heiser. One of my favorite theologians. He's a Hebrew and Greek scholar and also a Mesopotamian religion scholar. So he studies all types of Mesopotamian religions, which helps him to understand things a little bit better when it comes to that error and how they spoke of things and how they wrote in the context of which they spoke. 
How do I in, dis, uh, engage a discussion with my Jehovah's Witness mother? Well, first and foremost is I don't know what level of you know knowledge she's at because to assume that every Jehovah's Witness fully understands everything that Jehovah's Witness understand um, is, is to be naive because not all Christians understand that. But I would say the first thing you do is obviously in love, come to her and ask her why she chose to be um, uh, um, a Jehovah's Witness and talk about those changes in the Bible. Their Bible doesn't come into play until 1800 years after Christ. Well, why would you choose to follow the people whose Bible is all types of messed up? Isn't Dr. Michael Heiser a heretic? No, not at all. I don't know whoever told you that. Um, he is not a heretic at all. Were the Nephilim giants whose mothers pro procreated with? Yes. I read this somewhere online, but yes, Genesis 6, 6, Genesis, well, Genesis 6, 4 through 6, 6, you see that the sons of God, the B'nai Elohim, uh, which are... Uh, Angels, technically, if you want to call them that, they're not really angels in the sense of how you believe angels are. They came into the world and they made, they came into women. That's how the word of the Bible says. And they had children. And those children were the uh, Nephilim or the Nephilim, however you want to pronounce that. It would be an instant argument with her no matter how loving you are. I'm asking, didn't say that I'm asking if she is a devil worshiper. I must have missed something. You must be talking to someone else. Okay, let me come over here. I can care less about Trump. Someone asked, how does God discipline us? Um, so <laughs> I can't answer how he disciplines everybody, but I know that in my life, God has definitely disciplined me. He has taken things from me. Um, he has put me in situations that I, or allowed me to be in situations that that have been painful. Um, we are tested through the fire often, right? So how does God discipline? However, he sees fit, right? I can't answer that in a general question, a general answer, just like a parent doesn't discipline their kids the same way. The way I discipline my child would be, uh, my son would be different than how I discipline my daughter based on who they are, right? So um, everybody receives discipline differently and our heavenly father knows how to do so. No, I don't take guests. Where do de demons come from? Ah, so we discussed this in my last episode. So if you actually study the Hebrews understanding of things before, you know, Christians showed up and started really mythologically changing things to look like Dante's Inferno, uh, the belief was that demons are the spirits of the Nephilim. So angels came into the world, had sex with women and had children. They were Nephilim. God wiped them out with the flood. Their spirits did not have a place to go because they did not belong in heaven. They did not belong. There is no hell at that point, right? So their spirits had nowhere to go. So their spirits, yeah, I know someone's copying my account. Uh, their spirits roam the earth. So uh, the demons that we refer to as demons are the spirits of the Nephilim. Now, uh, someone asked me, uh, someone said something, someone's copying my account. I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll say this once for everybody to hear. If you see someone commenting on my page saying, you know, uh, what's at me? That's not me. This is my account. And then my other account is true Christian 87. 
<clears throat> I am not that other person. There's a person that's made at least, I think I'm counting up, up to like 15 now. I've blocked them because the goal is they comment on my videos and they make their account look just like mine, my picture, my name. So if I block them, it makes things hard for them because they can't comment on my videos. So um, uh, I have been constantly uh, blocking them. No hell yet during Noah's time. No, hell has, was not a place for, for anyone to go to. Um, hell is still not a place that people go to, right? So hell is <laughs> hell is for Satan and, and all those that fall with him, right? So um, that's a deeper conversation. People used to go to Sheol during those days, right? Um, where can I find... That in scripture about demons being Nephilim. This is Hebrew understanding of Hebrew history. You won't find that in scripture. That's why I said if you look into Hebrew history of what they believed, the Hebrews believed that the demons were the uh, the, the spirits of Nephilim. Sorry, I'm trying to go back and forth now. Demons being the spirit of Nephilim is not in the Torah. The Torah is uh, the Old Testament. There's no difference. We have the Torah in our Bible. Sorry. Uh... Can you explain why people believe in purgatory? It's Catholics. Yes, mainly Catholics. A very, 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 very small portion of people outside of Catholicism believe in that. Um, however, uh, their main places that they go are Maccabees in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. To tell you why they believe in it, I mean, my answer would be so that they could sell indulgences, but, but that would be something that Catholics probably wouldn't like the answer of um, because that doesn't come into play until 800 years. Um but yeah, it's it's false. Can you explain the Torah? The Torah is just the Old Testament. So like, here's the Torah. The five books of Moses, this is the Pentateuch. The first five books of, of the Old Testament are the Pentateuch. Then you have the prophets, and then you have the writings. The writings. This is the Torah. You have the Torah in your, in your Old Testament. People get these terms messed up. They think that the Torah is something that we don't have. Um, we do. Yeah, if you got a message from my fake account, don't respond to it. Don't. I can't do anything about it. I've reported them, and TikTok said we found nothing wrong. I can sneeze on my live stream the wrong way, and I'm going to lose my account. But this dude can use my picture, use my name, and, and, and well... Is hell real? Yes, hell is very real. Where did you get that from? So that's the Robert Alter edition of the Old Testament um, written by a Jew for Jews. It's a Jewish Old Testament, well, a Jewish Bible. So it's not Christian based. Um, so uh, that's that I got on. Uh, I got it on Amazon. Grace and peace to you as well. Can you explain Abraham's bosom? So that would be Sheol. Um, before Jesus opened the gates of heaven, right? Nobody could just walk into heaven. No one could. So we have Abraham's bosom is a resting place of the spirits, right? If you read uh, uh, read David, you hear him saying things like, you know, um, rescue me from Sheol. Find, come get me in Sheol when he's praying to Yahweh, right? Um, so it was when Jesus died that he was capable of opening the gates of heaven for those souls and also for us. People do go to hell. I was saying that there people did not go to hell in the Old Testament. Again, no one went to heaven or hell. Not in the Old Testament.
Yes. Wait, what about uh, Giants? If the Nephilim were wiped out during the flood, how come they appear after Abraham? Well, it doesn't say that all of them were wiped out for all of time. It said that, um, uh, like, like actually, like Kelly said, uh, because the Bible says there were giants in the earth in these days and also after that. So after God floods the earth, he says he won't do so again. Um, there's no reason to believe that angels, uh, no other angels came and mated with mankind. However, they didn't do so on a large scale again. So you're okay with worshiping a God that would send someone you love to hell? Yes. God is just. If anybody that I love goes to hell, it's because they deserved it. I deserve hell also. So if you thought that was going to be a zinger, it wasn't. Okay, so yes, there are the uh, anomalies. So Elijah did go to heaven. Yes, of course. Elijah was uh, ascended into, into the clouds. We believe he went to heaven. Uh, we believe that uh, Moses did, and we believe that Enoch did. So we believe that there are three. But I'm saying in the general sense, um, no one went to heaven until Jesus opened the doors for everybody. Sheol, 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 Sheol. Sheol, people went to Sheol. They went and waited in Sheol until judgment. And then if you notice, Peter says Jesus went down into the prison and, 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 and ministered to them, right? So he went down into the prisons and he led those that deserve to go to heaven out of heaven. And then he also led those, um, um, I mean, he also went down and, and ministered to the people who were in hell. I mean, that were going to hell. So he ministered to the spirits, as Peter said. So he told him, you lost this battle. Did Moses go to heaven or did, well, God buried his body. Yes. But we believe that Moses went to heaven because why? Because Jesus in the transfiguration, Elijah and Moses appeared next to him. In Peter, in first Peter, we see Jesus speaking to the, 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 the prisoners and captive. Yes. Which are the fallen angels that were in hell. Well, not hell, but Tartarus. Sorry, TikTok, you guys get the second. You're not the priority. YouTube gets the priority. But I will look over here and see what you guys are saying. I don't know what you're saying, Christine. I say, I see you saying, I just be quiet. Or continue saying what I know Jesus Christ would want me to say. You should always say what Jesus wants you to say as long as you know that that's uh, what Jesus wants you to say. Is hell eternal or will all of its occupants be annihilated in the end? So that's actually a big discussion that you'll find from people. Um, I am not an annihilist. I do not believe an annihilist. An annihilist annihilationist. I do not believe that there is an annihilation uh, uh, of all the souls. I believe that hell is eternal. Uh, the scriptures uh, speak speak in a way that I believe that they're saying that they are eternal. There are people that believe that in what's called annihilation, annihilate, annihilationism. Is that it? Yes. Annihilationism. Appreciate that, Bert.
How is it that Elijah and Enoch ascended to heaven? So I use the word ascended, but the Bible doesn't actually say that they ascended to heaven. I just use that word. Doesn't mean that that's actually what happened as far as how they went to heaven. The Bible actually says that uh, Elijah got lifted up in by a chariot and then Enoch, it says he walked with God, right? So I use the word ascended. So that's my, that's me just speaking incorrectly. I apologize. What are things to look out for before walking away from a church? Or do you think you have to go to church to have a stronger relationship with God? Well, I think you definitely should go to a church, not for a stronger relationship with God, but with a stronger relationship with what, um, with the body of Christ, because being a Christian is just as much important about being, being with the body. I mean, loving the body of Christ as it is loving Christ. Um, but is perfectly fine to walk away from a church if a church is not a good place for you to grow in your faith. Um, I walked away from a church and guess what? I ended up finding the greatest church that I can imagine. And I'm very happy with the church I'm at right now. Um, so if I didn't walk away from that church, I would never have found the church that I'm at today. Um, what would I say are the things to look out for, look out for before walking away? Don't walk away because of the people. Uh, don't walk away because there's things that you disagree with opinion wise. You should only be walking away for serious reasons. One, they don't have a proper church structure. Two, they don't uh, stand on the word of God. You know, those are some big things. You know, three, the shepherd, the pastor is a corrupt and and rep uh, rep a man that is not beyond rep uh, above reproach. Right. These certain things um, that, that you should definitely stay away from. But um, if you're walking away because, well, I don't like the people. Right. That's that's not going to. That's not going to benefit you, right? Because no matter where you go, you're going to run into people you don't like. Oh, I don't want to be at that church. They're hypocrites, right? I hear that all the time. I left the church because they're a bunch of hypocrites. Okay, Mr. Mrs. Hypocrites. We're all hypocrites, right? Um, when it comes to being a Christian. Um, who is the crowned woman in Revelation? That would be Israel, right? Now, the Catholics will tell you that that's Mary, um, but that doesn't fall in line with the exegesis of the text. If you actually read the text and read all of it, there's nothing about that that sounds like Mary, nor does it paint back to Mary, nor does it paint the picture of Mary, nor does it direct you to Mary. Uh, it's Israel. She gives birth to Jesus. We know that Jesus comes from the Jews. Why? Because salvation shall come from the Jews, right? And then what does she do? She heads to the wilderness, the Jews exile, right? It's all throughout scripture. Um, I don't share my denomination. That's part of the thing that I make very clear because then people start to make preconceived notions. One, I don't want people to join a specific denomination because I'm that denomination because I don't want anybody to be like, well, I want to be whatever Mike is. No, make your decision based on your study, based on your decision, based on where the Lord guides you. I, I'm not here to preach a denomination. A lot of people come on this app and they preach denominations instead of preaching Christ. They talk about why their denomination is the right denomination instead of preaching about Jesus. Um, and I'm against that. I'm here to preach the name of Jesus Christ and preach salvation unto the world as the apostles taught us to do so. So I don't preach a denomination. Secondly, too many people automatically assume what you believe when you tell them your denomination. If I told you I'm a Baptist or Pentecostal or a Lutheran or whatever I tell you, you automatically will assume... Oh, that this person believes X, Y, and Z. I am not going to hide any parts of my belief. I have a confession of faith that I'll give you. So therefore, I will share anything that I believe 100%. Um, so it's not about me not wanting you to know what I believe. It's about me wanting you to take the time to get to know what I believe rather than making an assumption by me saying what denomination I am. 
who are the elect being referred to in the beginning of first Peter? Well, the elect are referred to all throughout scripture and the elect are the people of God. Um, so this is a big argument, obviously people have, and I don't think people really are arguing about who the elect are. I think the bigger argument is on if the elect is chosen before, uh, before time. And if anybody outside the elect has a chance and all that argument, you get into the whole predestination argument at the end of the day, the elect are God's people. Um, so, uh, Anyone who is in the elect is, in, is is the people that he has chosen. I'm not familiar with Dr. Michael Heiser saying that, so I wouldn't be able to answer that question of why he wrote that and why he said that. I do believe that a lot of churches make a huge production around everything and tithing and all that stuff. I agree. How to spot a mega church. They usually got about 47 plasma TVs. <laughs> How do you spot a mega church? Count the TVs. If they have more than two, they're probably a mega church. I'm just joking guys. I'm just joking. Should I leave Catholicism? Uh, not if I tell you to. You should leave Catholicism because you decide to. Um, now, I know people are going to be like, yes, Mike, say yes. But see, even with that, uh, Romans 14 says what? Whatever you do not, whatever does not proceed from sin, I mean proceed from sin, proceed from faith is sin. I personally would say yes, but I don't want you to leave Catholicism because Mike says so. Um, I believe that you should search in your heart, search the word of God and ask yourself why you are a Catholic. Ask yourself why you believe you need to be a Catholic and ask yourself if you want to stay at that, stay with the Catholicism. See, this is why the elect starts getting, how do I know if I am elected? How about this? Do you know Jesus? At the end of the day, we are saved by faith. You are saved by grace through faith and not in your own works. So put your faith in Christ and stop worrying about all this extra stuff. Like, let, let me pause everybody for a second. This is what happens when you open up the Q&A. Everybody starts being like, oh my gosh, what about this? What about this? What about this? How about everybody be quiet, sit down for two seconds. Let Mike talk. We are saved by grace through faith and not of your own works. All this excess knowledge, you wanting it is what makes you then get more confused. The gospel is not confusing. We make it more confused. Now, do some of us need to know all this stuff? Yes, because we're apologists, right? So I actually go out, I debate people, I go and preach the word, and I'm trying to share the word of God with people that are going to push back. So I need to know certain levels of information to be able to handle that with people. But if you just want to serve your God, you don't need to have all these issues because all you're doing is opening up a door of confusion to yourself. You know that Jesus saves, Jesus saves perfectly, and you put your trust in him, you put your faith in him. And that is what you must do to be saved, and that is all you must do to be saved. Why? Because he has done the rest. He has done everything that you couldn't do. He has done all the things that you would fail at doing. He walked across that tightrope, and he lowered the bridge down so that you can pursue him and you can follow him. But a lot of people want to keep their eyes down, being like, what if I step here? What if I step here? What if I do this? What if I do this? What about this? What about this? What about this? You make it more confusing. Now, granted, if you have a goal or a dream to go into be an apologist and go and proclaim his name to people that might push back, then yes, there's certain things you should study. There's things you should study and get to know and, and learn so you can better defend your faith. But that is not what saves you. You will not stand before God and get a number two pencil out with a Scantron and do a test. It won't be a test to enter the kingdom. You will not show your ID card to enter the kingdom. Nobody gains access to the kingdom based on their level of intelligence, of how much they know, how little they know, or who they know. It is who, it is who they know. It's about knowing Jesus. It is about knowing him. Okay?
I see the biggest stressors I see is when people overthink their journey in, in, in the walk with Christ. You want to know what God cares more about? You ready for this? You know what he cares more about than you knowing all this stuff? Have you loved somebody today? Did you, did you serve somebody today? I'm going to tell you this right now. Our Lord would rather you love somebody than gain a little bit extra knowledge. He would rather you say, I'm okay not knowing it all because my Lord has done it all. I'm going to go love somebody today. Because that's really what builds the kingdom. I see some people that emphasize levels of knowledge and levels of intellect and, and how much you can know the Bible more than other people. And I tell you right now, the Lord has put it on my heart to make sure people understand he don't give a darn about that compared to you being out there loving people. He has sent you to be servants, not be teachers. Not all are called to teach. That's what the word of God says. He has sent you to love people. He has sent you to wash feet. He has sent you to clean, to pick up, to carry. He has sent you to love. That's what he has sent you to do. The, oh, is it, we got a Dallas tattoo studio and you're Christian? Bro, you got to follow already. Just like that, brother. I mean, if you're in here, I'm assuming you're Christian. I might be wrong on that. You might just be in here because you saw I was in deep Ellum. Turning the other cheek is not the same as defending the weak and defending the uh, the, the the needy. Is having tattoos a sin? Uh, not for me. Mm -hmm. Can't answer that for you. What did Paul say? I know that nothing is um, um, unclean for me. What's unclean for you is unclean for you. What's unclean for me is unclean for me. Therefore, do not place a stumbling block before each other. Whatever is not perceived from faith is sin. If the Lord has put it on your heart not to get a tattoo, then do not get a tattoo. All things are permissible. Not all things are good. I think I just found a Christian tattoo artist to my YouTube friends. I might have to holler at him. But, uh, yeah. I know, Maestro. They hate it when I show them love. Why do you avoid doctrinal what? I saw a question that maybe I should scroll back up for. Doctrinal questions. When do I avoid doctrinal questions, vigilant biblicist? Oh, I know exactly who that is. I've seen all of his uh, troll accounts, so I know exactly who that is. I don't avoid do uh, doctrinal issues, though. What are you talking about? I answer doctrinal questions all the time. That don't even make sense. What? <laughs> who uh, what doctrinal matters do i avoid please enlighten me to the doctrinal matters that i avoid i appreciate you being here kodiak Appreciate that uh, studio, Dallas tat Tattoo Studio. Okay, well, that person's not answering the question, so we'll keep moving. Um, so, guys, also, if you haven't already, uh, we got some videos up from when we were live this weekend. We were out in the streets preaching the gospel. It was amazing. Um, 
we plan on doing it again soon. I promise. Uh, when are, will you be dialoguing with voice of reason? So like I said, uh, the other day we have been, um, uh, texting, we've, uh, been chatting privately. Um, we have not discussed a public, uh, discussion. He has been very busy with his life. I have also been very busy. Um, so just nothing has come up yet as far as us doing a public discussion yet. Uh, Jesus loves you. How did it go? It went amazing. We prayed for several people. We got to meet people. We had people that said that they wanted to be a part of what we're doing. Uh, people that stopped their night and just followed and sat there listening to us. We exchanged phone numbers um, and they were like, we'd love to come out with you next time you go out. Um, so we believe that it really was beneficial. We also got to talk to a lot of people. Um, and until the end of the night, we really didn't get any pushback. At the end of the night, that's when we started to get some people that were being negative, people being hateful. I had one guy telling me that, uh, you know, if you want to be a good Christian, you better be out here giving out waters to people that are thirsty. I told him, we're giving out living water. We ain't got no time for you. Um, but it was an amazing, amazing night. Um, really, uh, really reaching people. <laughs> Your yelling was great. I had to yell. That is true. I did have to yell. They took away my amplification and um, that was not going to stop me. So I, I went deep into the diaphragm and um, and really started uh, letting it letting it letting it out from down here. Um, but it was an amazing night. We had a blast. Why do you worship a man who worshiped the God alone? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I already know where you're going from. Jesus is God. Go in peace eschatology, election, etc. Oh, so what you what you mean to say, vigilant biblicist, is why don't I address the things that you want addressed? Well, I say straight up why I don't address eschatology. It's literally the vice of it. It's not salvation related. And for the young Christians watching this, it gets confusing. I'm trying to reach people with the gospel and reaching people with the gospel doesn't include eschatology. Um, now, as far as election, I didn't avoid election. I answered the question of what people believe election is. But then when people said, how do I know if I'm elect? I said that you can't. What you can do is focus on Jesus because that's what matters because knowing Jesus is what saves you. And that's what matters. Um, so you don't like that answer. That doesn't mean I don't answer it. Um, but again, I'm pretty confident I know who you are. So it's actually kind of funny that I'm actually addressing you. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I won't discuss eschatology. Look, some people want to do that. I get it. But at the end of the day, there's someone in here right now that's not a Christian. Talking about eschatology would create a, a debate and it would also create arguments in the comment section. And then suddenly all the comments would be people fighting against each other. And guess what that young person who doesn't know Jesus is going to see? A bunch of Christians arguing and not being loving to each other. I like to cultivate an area of love. So that way when non-believers are in here, they say, man, I really would love to get to know these people. Whether you believe in any type of eschatology or not means nothing to me because Jesus saves. When someone can explain to me, well, we have to debate these things, not on TikTok. I think anybody that debates those topics on TikTok is ridiculous and ignorant because you have no idea what you're doing. You're hurting the Christian body more than you are helping it. Because again, you have people that don't know what they're talking about that are listening, people that aren't being discipled, that they're hearing people talk. They don't know who's correct and who's wrong. They're just going to listen to whoever sounds better. And then you're going to have people who don't even believe that are watching saying, these guys don't agree with each other. Those kinds of conversations should be done within a brotherhood together in closed doors.
Yes, exactly. And I will happily have those conversations all the time. Matter of fact, when me and Justin are together before we get live, uh, you should see the conversations we have because we're brothers in Christ and we can have these kind of conversations. Um, but I'm not going to do that with people who might get confused. Uh, uh, uh. Hold on. Mm. JD is sick. So let's go ahead and stop and pray for him. He just DM me. He, uh, he, uh, regressed his sickness came back. He woke up terribly sick. So let's go ahead and pray for him. Heavenly father. Thank you so much for allowing us to come together on this live stream. I know it's been a little chaotic. It hasn't followed the same structure as always, but at the end of the day, father, as long as we glorify you, that is what matters. And I pray that you have been glorified. I pray that someone tonight just smiled and thought about how great you are. And if that happened, then, then the mission is accomplished. Father, I pray that your name reaches others, reaches people tonight and that people hear your word and, and come to the truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, father. So I pray that they hear your word tonight. Lord, I pray that you are with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the entire body of Christ. And I pray that JD is, is held tightly in your arms as you guide him to, uh, to healing and that you heal him from whatever he's going through. I also pray for Justin and his family and his daughter, Hannah, as she deals with chemo and, and, and her treatments. I pray for everyone listening. I pray for all of our brothers and sisters in Christ today as they go out into the world and they engage in this in spiritual warfare. I pray for our brothers and sisters in other countries that aren't capable of being on social media because they're actually being persecuted. And I pray that your will be done in all of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So JD will not be joining us. Obviously we figured that, I mean, we, we kind of knew that we're at the hour and a half mark. So. We will continue going um, with, with what we're going through. Tips when reading Revelation. It's really important that you actually have a good grasp of the Old Testament when you read Revelation. If you actually understand what Paul, I mean, uh, what J uh, John is talking about in Revelation, he's quoting a lot of things from the Old Testament. Same thing when you read things like Hebrews. Um, Hebrews is an extremely hard book to read without knowing the Old Testament. A lot of Christians kind of skip over the Old Testament and they just want to read New Testament. And I understand that at face value because you want to get to the part about Jesus because you love Jesus so much. But can I be honest with you? Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament and nothing in the New Testament is new. The only reason it's it's called the New Testament is because it's the New Testament. The Testament itself is new because it's a new covenant. But most of it, and really 99% of the New Testament, is just revealing mysteries from the Old Testament that were hidden away in God. Uh, 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 the New Testament is completely a new uh, 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 expounding on the Old Testament. Paul teaches from the Old Testament all throughout Scripture. I mean, everything that Paul is teaching from, think about it. Paul wasn't holding open the Bible. He was teaching from the Old Testament. So it's important for you to understand that to understand things in the in the New Testament, it is, is strongly advised for you to use the Old Testament. Why don't you make the sign of the cross at the end of prayers? I don't do the sign of the cross anymore. I did when I was a Catholic, and I know that it's not just the Catholic thing. I just don't do the sign of the cross. It's, it's not something that I do. I, I have no problem with people who do it. I have been known to do it occasionally at random where it just comes out and I have the urge to do it. Um, uh, but I just don't. It is not only Catholics uh, that do it, uh, but uh, it mainly is Catholics and Orthodox that do it. So. 
So I'm going to I'm going to put my focus on YouTube for a little bit because I'm going to be wrapping up over there because we're going to wrap up early and then I'll come back over here to TikTok and give you guys my full attention. So um, let me go ahead and do uh, anybody that has any questions. Let me go ahead and give you guys a full on focus and then we're going to end over here on YouTube because tonight's just been a fun episode. Uh, I'm sorry that it wasn't a structured episode. Um, I apologize for that. What do we got though? Anybody over here? Sign of the cross appears upside down. How most people do it. We got different people that do it, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with the sign of the cross. The name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not like it doesn't belong to Catholicism. The Orthodox do it, and there are some Protestants that do it. Um, and there's it's just it's just not something I do. It's more of a tradition. It's not something that is needed to be done. Um, it's okay that you're late. This really wasn't a special episode. We did start off with a strong message on forgiveness and resentment, and and, and then it kind of just went into a live Q&A and having fun and, and kind of just having a, a, a discussion. Do I believe the return of Jesus Christ is imminent? Imminent? I say this. I tell everybody to do, to, to do, to do the following. My advice for everyone is live your life as if Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Plan your future as if we're still in the early church. We should all be living our life as if Jesus will be back tomorrow. But at the, at the same time, we should not disregard our children's future as if he is. Because for so many generations, every generation of Christian has always thought, I'll be, I'll be the one Jesus is coming back for. And therefore, they don't plan for their grandchildren. And therefore, we now are 2,000 years down the road and Christian organizations are not strong like the world's organizations. Christian groups are not as strong as the world's groups because we no one, everybody's like, oh, I'll be alive. I mean, Jesus come back for me. Jesus come back for me. Jesus come back for me. Yes, live our lives as if Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Plan your future as if you're still in the early church. That's what I tell people. Don't get caught off guard, but at the same time, don't get complacent. That's another way you can say it. Exact same way. Don't get caught off guard and don't be complacent. Ow. Cracked my thumb by accident. We were closer to Christ's return than we were yesterday. Amen. Look, at the end of the day, you can go all the way back to 300 AD and you can see people talking about the signs of the day, right? Signs of the day, signs of the day, signs of the day. Uh, signs have always been happening. Now, do, granted, do I believe that we are near the end? Sure. I mean, we, you know, we, we see it. So would love a reaction video. I don't know what I would be reacting to, but I'm down. Um, How's my family? My family is amazing. Thank you for asking. Uh, should we still honor the Passover holiday? I just got through that part and God is very specific about those seven days, but it isn't something I have ever done. So let's just talk about this for a second. If you feel the urge to want to honor these days, by all means, do it. Let me make something clear, though. You are not commanded to. Why? Because what you're doing is you're reading what Israel was commanded to do in the old covenant. You are not Israel. Right. You were born a Gentile. Now, granted, we are a part of the body of Christ. We are a part of spiritual Israel. Now, people don't like that term. I don't care because it says in Christ Jesus, there neither is male nor uh, male nor female, free nor slave, Jew nor Gentile. Like we are all one in Christ. But you were not born a Jew. That is not your uh, 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 holidays. Right now, granted, do you want to honor those days? By all means, 
I don't mean, by all means, if you want to honor them, go ahead. Uh, what does Paul say? Do not judge someone based on what Sabbaths they, what they, they keep and what holidays they do. That it's not what we're called to do. Um, now I know people, I know Christians who love to honor this, the Passover by all means. I'm not telling you, you can't do it either. I don't want you to feel like you, if I don't do it, I'm a bad Christian. Um, how did you find a good Christian community? I created one. At the end of the day, people always tell me I can't find one, so create one. So you're a preterist. No, I don't believe Jesus already came back. A preterist would believe Jesus already came back. So what this person is clearly doing is they got upset that I didn't answer the questions the way they wanted me to. Now they're asking me questions saying, do you believe Jesus' return is imminent? And by my response, he's now trying to ascribe what I believe based on that. You see that? See what people do? Because what they want to do is they want to compartmentalize you. They don't care if you believe in Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection. They don't care if you preach the gospel. They want to compartmentalize you and group you into what they want to group you. A preterist believes that Jesus already returned. So that's untrue, right? Now, has he returned in a sense uh, to the sense of the fact that he appeared to John in the when he gave the revelation and he appeared to Paul? That's about it. But he has not returned, returned. The only, only people that have seen him since his resurrection, though, have been Paul, a few others, and John. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you're trying to do. Um, go in peace. Like I said, I'm pretty confident I know who you are. Probably got that screen record button going well. Why did the book of Enoch get removed? It did not get removed. Um, it was one of the books that was in, out, in, out, in, out. It never had a stable place in. Keep me in your prayers. Of course, Casey. Is the Apocrypha supposed to be read? No, it's edifying. If you want to learn a little bit about Jewish history, it's not required for your salvation and there's nothing in it for salvation. Thoughts on Pride Month? I can't really give those because TikTok algorithms are a crazy thing. You speak pig Latin? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll say it in pig Latin. I'm not very fast with pig, pig Latin, but I'll do it. Let me see. Ride pay, unth may, is abomination ute, odd gay. Y'all got it? Look, the youngins, man, am I am I dating myself right now? Am I dating myself? Is that what's happening? Can we read the book of Enoch? So here's what I'll say. Let's talk about Enoch real quick. I have Enoch 1, Enoch 2, and Enoch 3. Before you read Enoch, if you want to read Enoch, know your Bible. Okay? Know your Bible. Because people want to dive into the book of Enoch before they really got their Bible down. The Bible is salvation. Get your Bible down. Once you've got the Bible down packed and your faith is strong, if you want to read Enoch, go ahead. I highly recommend you get the Dr. Michael Heiser commentaries for Enoch because he's a Christian and he can walk you through with it. But I do not recommend anyone who's not strong in their faith or that doesn't know the word of God well, because you could slip up in something and turn into one of these people that's like, oh, I got something revealed to me. Enoch is not divinely inspired. It is not the word of God. And there is nothing for salvation in there. No, the book of Enoch is not the word of God. I just said that. 
Enoch is Jewish mythology with some small bits of truth that might have passed down through history. Here's how Enoch comes about. Let's say your father told your father, I mean, your father learned from his father, 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 learned from his father. And then you wrote down what was passed down all these generations. That's how Enoch happened. So these are stories that were passed down from fathers after fathers after fathers, but it's not divinely inspired. So there's no guarantee for it to be protected. So therefore, it's basically the game of telephone. So is there probably some truth in Enoch? Yeah, there's probably some truth in there, but there's probably surrounded with a bunch of all whole bunch of issues. And that's why I tell people it's not important to read. And if you read it, you need to have a lens of, of knowing what you're reading. TikTok, I will be over here in a second to actually uh, talk to y'all. The Bible references the book of Enoch. No, it does not reference the book of Enoch. It references a story of Enoch. That's different, right? So verbal stories that were passed down through generations. One of those stories is in the book of Enoch, which comes hundreds of years after that. But yes, the Bible references stories of Enoch, but the Bible also, that doesn't make it divine. So uh, Paul references um, Athenian poets. It doesn't make the Athenians poets uh, words divine, right? So we got to hold, understand that whenever the Bible references something that's divine, it says, thus says the Lord, or it is written. There goes JD in the comment section. JD, you do not have to apologize for anything. Understand that. Um, you are sick. We hope you get better. We just been hanging out. It's given us a night to have fun and just, you know, have some fellowship, build some relationship relationships with new viewers that have just gotten involved with the ministry. Um, and we're actually going to end it here in a couple minutes and hop over to TikTok so that it could be really uh, I could focus on one one screen. Why is first and second Maccabees not divinely inspired? Because it's not. I mean, I know po I don't even know why the Catholics try and fight that. There's popes that denied it. Pope Gregory the Great said they weren't due to, they weren't inspired. Um, but all right, let me see if I missed any questions on YouTube because I promised them I would answer all their questions so they come before everything else. I need your level of patience. I missed that. Uh, it comes with experience. Thoughts on Levitical law? It's fulfilled. Any advice to quit that word? Dig deep to find out why, what's causing it. Because from my understanding and my own experience in life and just uh, being 35 years old and knowing people that have dealt with it, I've obviously dealt with it. I was a younger man and still a man uh, to this day. Find out where does the drive come from? Because everything that we do has a drive behind it. What triggers it? Find out what triggers it. And fight those triggers. Don't just say, I need to stop doing this thing, but find out what triggers the trigger. What triggers the triggers the trigger, right? Dive deep into understanding why and cut it off at the, at the supply. Um, there's multiple Enochs in the Bible, Helen. So yes, Cain's son was Enoch, not Cain's grandson. Cain had a son named Enoch. Um, that's not the same Enoch that walked with God either. That's what people need to understand. Elizabeth, I agree. 
Looks like we're almost done all the questions over here, and then I'll be over here. You said nobody went to hell in the Old Testament. What about the rich man in hell in Luke 16? You do um, This guy has kind of been probing, so I'm going to go ahead and just ignore him. You do realize that, first and foremost, that that was a parable given um, and not an actual account of what's happening in hell, right? Drake's annotated Bible? No, I've never heard about it. All right. We're going to go ahead and end this, though, so I can hop over to TikTok. Um, uh, because, like I said, I got to the end of the content comments, and I'm ready. I, I, there's We really haven't been diving into anything deep tonight, so there's no reason for me to uh, stay over here on YouTube. Um, so let's go ahead and dive over there. Um, for anybody that wants to stay up tonight and hang out, I've got about – I'll stay on for – I mean, I'm going to finish the two hours, right? So um, – Oh, yeah, I'll get my rest. I'm not that tired. Uh, but let's go ahead and hop over there. I appreciate you guys for joining us tonight. I apologize that this episode wasn't one of our normal episodes where we're diving deep into stuff and we're just, uh, you know, covering certain uh, uh, subjects. But tonight is just a hangout night. Uh, we're letting JD rest some more and heal up. Uh, so we appreciate you guys being here. As always, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that share button. Um, and, and and I pray that you all have discernment. If anything was misspoken, don't trust me at face value. Go research it on your own. Go study on your own. I'm just a guy that's been studying and pursuing God myself. And that doesn't mean I know everything. Um, so I love you all to death. God bless you guys. And I will see you all over there.